Welcome to Saint of the Day Mental Prayer for July 30th. Today's saint is Olaf of Sweden. He was one of the first Swedish kings to become Christian and he worked to spread Christianity throughout Sweden. Before we begin, make sure you hit that like and that share button. It's absolutely free with a money back guarantee and it'll really help me out. So go ahead and like the video right now. It only takes a split second and share the video. Hit the share button and share it on Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or anywhere you browse the interwebs. However, Facebook is going to get me the most exposure. So if you click that share button, I would truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you. And we're going to start with our enlightenment prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My God, I firmly believe that thou art everywhere present and seest all things. Cleanse my heart from all vain, wicked, and distracting thoughts. Enlighten my understanding and inflame my will, that I may pray with reverence, attention, and devotion. Olaf was baptized in Husaby in Vastergotland by the missionary Siegfried and made generous donations on the spot. At Husbay Parish Church, there is a sign commemorating his baptism. Nearby is a well thought to be the same sacred spring where Olaf was baptized. The legend of St. Siegfried, known since the 13th century, relates that the still pagan Olaf called in the English Archbishop of York, Siegfried, to teach the new faith in his realm. On his way, Siegfried and his three nephews came to Varend in southern Smaland, where the twelve local tribes endorsed Christianity. Um, Siegfried left his nephews to tend matters in Varend and proceeded to Olaf's court, where the king and his family were baptized. In the meanwhile, a heathen reaction in Varend cost the lives of the nephews, whose heads were sunk in the Vaxjo Lake. Hearing about this, Siegfried returned to Varend, where the heads were discovered through a miracle. King Olaf then appeared in Varend with a force, punished the murderers, and forced the locals to yield properties to the church. He was the first Swedish king to remain a Christian until his death. However, the circumstances about his baptism are not clear. A document from 1008 says that a certain bishop dispatched by Archbishop Bruno of Querfort visited the Swigi tribe and managed to baptize the king whose queen was already Christian. 1,000 people and seven communities followed his example. So the first part about um, Siegfried is a legend. We are not sure if it really happened that way or not. We just don't have enough documentation. So um, that's why the second part is saying we aren't really sure about how he was baptized. But either way, we do know for sure that he was baptized and that he remained a Christian. According to Adam of Bremen, Olaf planned to tear down the Uppsala Temple, which was allegedly an important cult center. The fact that a large part of the Swedes were still pagan forced him to abandon this aim. The pagans, weary of his plans, made an agreement with Olaf to the effect that he, if he wished to be a Christian, must exercise his royal authority in a province of his choice. If he founded a church, he was not supposed to force anyone to convert, which, and I'm going to do a sidebar here, is very important in sometimes 
in the beginning of Christianity in a country, a lot of people convert just because the king or queen converted because they respect, love, and honor their kings and queens. It's not like today how we have presidents and prime ministers and things like that where people maybe like, maybe don't like them. Uh, in the past, especially in the early 1000s and before that, kings and queens were seen as something above they're not just royalty they're not just movie stars in fact there weren't any there weren't any stars or famous people at all it just wasn't a thing you might have traveling bands or traveling like um, comedy shows like clowns or jesters come around but it was very rare for any one person or any one group to get famous on their own it just really wasn't a thing because there wasn't enough widespread um, writings there wasn't a printing press yet there weren't enough um, copies of writings there weren't enough time for someone to go around and reach all these different people and even if they did reach them by the time they get to the next town and the next town and the next country the people have from the original country have forgotten about them so it was the only famous people that normal people knew of were the king and queen so it was some amazing huge thing and whether the king and king were good or bad the people respected them to a very high degree so when a king or queen converted a lot of people would usually convert as well in this case that is what happened however there were still a lot of people in sweden who were pagan now you're not supposed to force anyone to convert in christianity of course we know that we've heard stories about uh, christians forcing muslims to convert um, during the crusades those stories are mostly untrue they are debunked if you will and you can look it up um, you can google or wikipedia but there's lots of good documentaries from christian sources about the crusades if you go to a secular source they're just going to say oh you know everybody was doing horrible things and it was very bad that's not the truth so it hasn't been an idea ever for christians to convert people to the faith in islam that has been an idea however usually in islam they people convert not because they're forced to convert but they convert because life will just be easier so in islam if they take over a country then if you're not islamic if you're jewish or christian you have to pay the jizya tax if you're a pagan i don't even know what the rule is for that they're probably not too keen on pagans so if you don't and you also can't practice your faith out in the public so a lot of people would convert to islam islam from christianity or judaism not because they were being forced to but because it was just be easier on their lives if they were uh, if they were Muslims because they would be able to practice their faith openly and they wouldn't have to pay a tax and they wouldn't be second rate citizens. So it's kind of a myth that people were going around and forcing other people to convert. What kind of conversion is that? What what good is that to your faith? If somebody was forced to convert, they're just going to turn around. They're either just going to pretend to be Christian or Islam or whatever until you're not around them and then they'll secretly practice their own faith which is going to destroy your country if you have a lot of people like that or they're going to say yeah i converted and you know they never you know they never did so it's just 
not something that really happened that often in the past. It's a myth, but moving on. Olaf was content with this, with being allowed to have a certain Christian area, and he installed a bishopric in the province of Vastergotland, closer to Denmark and Norway. On the wishes of Olaf, the Archbishop of Hamburg Bremen anointed Thurgot as the first bishop in Skara. This Thurgot was successful in disseminating Christianity among the West Geats and East Geats. And now for our reflection. St. Olaf of Sweden was the first Swedish king, one of the first Swedish kings to become Christian, and he worked to spread Christianity throughout his country. Reflect on this. What does St. Olaf's life mean to you? of Sweden was one of the first Swedish kings to become Christian and he worked to spread Christianity throughout his realm. What does his life mean to you? sit quietly and consider this how can you live holier based on saint olaf's life he was one of the first swedish kings to become christian and he worked to spread christianity throughout his realm how can you live holier based on his life recap saint olaf of sweden was one of the first swedish kings to become christian and he worked hard to spread christianity throughout 
his country? How can you live holier based on his life? Thanksgiving prayer. Almighty and eternal God, I adore thee and I thank thee for all the benefits which thou and thy infinite goodness and mercy has conferred upon me. And our resolution, the most important part of mental prayer. Based on this reflection, you should resolve to avoid every sin you possibly can through the power of our blessed Lord and the help of your guardian angel. However, you should especially resolve to avoid one of the seven deadly sins, which are as follows lust, envy, gluttony, greed, wrath, pride, and sloth. And you can find more information about the seven deadly sins at sdkason.com sin. Now for our resolution and midday prayer. My God, I offer thee these resolutions. Unless thou deignest to bless them, I cannot be faithful to them. And Lord Jesus Christ, at midday you mounted the cross for our salvation. Give us your light, which will bring us to eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you and God bless. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the bell, and share. Subscribe to my newsletter at sdkason.com slash subscribe. And until next time, stay holy, my friends. <laughs>